Hello and welcome to the Brattlecast. I'm Jordan Rich. Always a pleasure to be with my good friend Ken Gloss, the proprietor of the Brattle Bookshop on West Street in Boston. It is an institution. I say proprietor, you're a whole lot more than just the owner. You are the man. You love this stuff. And we talk about collections and estate plans, but estate uh, sales and so forth. But recently, we were promoting the fact that we were going to do the uh, the book show in Boston. We did it. You did it with your colleagues. And I'd love to know a little post game. How did it go? It went fabulously. Uh, first of all, the staff at work, my wife, who is my partner in the business, uh, does most of the behind the scenes. But the two managers, they really got into it. And it was a lot of fun. But it's been essentially three years uh, since COVID started and everything shut down. And you know, we were saying, well, the book show in Boston, which is an international book show that draws in dealers from all over the world, all over the country, isn't going to be as exciting. Mm. Are the people going to want to come and do it? Are people still worried about COVID? Uh, but they, you know, have they been selling everything online so they don't need it? Uh, but we decided this year that we would have the show. Uh, the manager at the store now is chair of the book fair committee. I mm. stepped down after 20 or 30 years, but I'm always there to help. <laughs> uh, but we the the uh, dealer attendance was down about 5 or 10%. Part of that had to do with nothing with COVID. We didn't have any Russian dealers coming this I year. I wonder why. And we, <laughs> and we usually do, but Gee. with the war in Ukraine going on, yeah. uh, they weren't traveling as much. But we had a, the the participation was very good, the crowds were great, and one of the things that we realized was, people like seeing other people. I mean, whenever you do a show like this, a large show, I mean, there's a hundred, ten, or fifteen, or twenty dealers. They have all sorts of different material that you can come in and look at and get interested in one subject or another subject, but they they. They're all there. And also, at the end of the show, of course, you know, when we help manage in that, you're always wondering, did, was it a successful show? They were expensive to do. Did you make money? Did you sell some? Did, did you do spectacularly well? And almost invariably, you have some people who didn't sell very much, a little disappointed. <clears throat> you have other people who said, yeah, we made a little money, we covered expenses. And then you have some who say, it was one of our best shows ever, it was great, we sold stuff we didn't think we were going to sell. And that's what happened this year. But every single person exhibiting said, it was so nice seeing the colleagues we haven't seen in three years, the customers who we know who we haven't seen, and then seeing new customers in communicating and talking with about what you have and what you didn't have. It was universal that they were thrilled and there was a good crowd. Well, it, it is universal. And the idea of discussing books with other people and holding it and saying, hey, have you read this? Or are you looking for that as a collector? Or what is this worth? I mean, it is all about communication while you're holding and, and referencing something. And it's so universal, as we keep saying. It's so important to us. Well, like I say, old friends, there were also some lectures and talks. But, you know, at this show, oh, that's actually done in the 1400s. It's five, 600 years old. Or 
something that's only 15 years old is worth that much uh, and that collectible. Uh, but you meet different people. There also was another show. There's always a smaller sort of what they call a satellite show. It's a one-day affair. And one of the fun things I had in that, I got asked to speak at it, and they were having a panel to try to figure out what were the 100 most influential books either done in Massachusetts, printed, or by a Massachusetts person. Mm. And, you know, it just going over that was fun and having five or six other people and looking at the other ones and going, they put out a list. And, and I wasn't involved in the initial list. And I looked at it and I said, I look at this list and I can profile Whoever put this list together, <laughs> they were probably in their 60s and 70s. They were white. They probably went to an Ivy League college, yeah. and a lot of them are boring. And then we started adding things in and putting it in, and and even that type of talk. I mean, I added a few just to be to say you got to look at it in other ways. Is our bodies ourselves mm. one of the most influential works in Massachusetts? Mm-hmm. But then to throw it even another way, I said is The Rules of Basketball by Naismith. Uh, well, <laughs> hey, right. It's it, a James it, Naismith who created he, the, the Is game. that more influential than maybe, um, you know, people nowadays with, um, you know, Scarlet Letter? I mean, or it's a different type of influential. So when you get a whole crowd of people together with books and book collecting and book interest— Uh, It's great. And the other thing that was really noticeable, and we'd even been working on this very hard before the book fair uh, or or years before COVID, is you always want to get younger people in. I mean, Mm. you always think about the collectors mainly as older, uh, wealthy, erudite, but you can't get them collectors unless 30 years earlier – uh, you get the younger people mm-hmm. in and, and sort of hook them in. And we had it free on fr- Saturday and Sunday. And it was mobbed with probably people under 40 and 30 who you realize, even though almost everything is electronic nowadays, all if you need a fact, if you need a little item, or you need to know how to do this, you go to YouTube. But they still love and treasure books in in the touching and the holding. Well, you've talked about your business, the outside book selling on weekends particularly. It is mobbed and it's always a great sign, but it's the younger set. You've been impressed with that for quite a while now. Oh, yeah. And, and one of the things also we were a little concerned, is COVID going to slow things down? And I'll say that probably 5 or 10% of the – People coming in or so on were wearing masks uh, and, uh, and you know, concerned about being out in public. Although I'd say about 10 or 15 percent of them, we – one of the things we do at our booth is we have one big jar of peanut M&Ms on this end and one big jar of plain M&Ms on that end. And we have a scoop and we make sure people use the scoop, not reaching in. But so many people would scoop in. They'd be there. They'd pull their mask off. And start eating M and M's. Pretty tough. <laughs> pretty tough to resist any of that. Exactly, mask or no mask. And, 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 I, I have a question for you. Uh, and this is, since it's after the fact, what was security like? Because you're talking about some very rare pieces. Uh, security was good. Um, the, 
it, it's a feature that everybody is well aware of. One of the things they do do, they have a free coat check. And if you have a big bag briefcase, not a purse or so on, they try to get people to uh, check it. Yeah. And, and when you leave, then they have security opening the bag, looking in. And, of course, people are so used to that now, we actually got less resistant to it uh, after – you know, 9-11, quite honestly, than we did before. But the one thing we do do is um, a lot of times people bring books that they want appraised or looked at, and we have an appraisal day, which was very popular. You know, everybody hoping that their book was the mm. one that makes it. Uh, but you can't bring those onto the floor. And uh, I remember one person somehow got through, and I said, the big problem isn't that nobody's not willing to tell you what your books are worth, but when you leave, if you don't have a receipt, you're going to have problems with the security. So usually what we do is people can bring books. They leave them a coat check, go in, talk to a dealer or an exhibitor. They go out and then look at it. But you try to be as friendly as you can. You try to have as many people come in as you can. And you try to say, it's fun. And I'll tell you, that was the overall tremendous impression was people just were having fun. Now, the fact that it would also happen to be warmer than it should have been. In November, you don't usually have people in shorts and T-shirts walking <laughs> in. But, but people, again, what was the overwhelming consensus is we can talk to somebody else about it. It's not just online. We actually get to see something we didn't know we wanted to see. Exactly. Now, here's a question that's a burning one. Um, how many Antiques Roadshow groupies were there to see you? Uh, well, there were more <laughs> podcast groupies. Oh. Who came in, and that I was thrilled about. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, there were more people. Well, of course, this is a book-centered uh, audience. But there were had to have been 10 or 15 people who came in and said, I love the podcast. Keep going. I would talk to them about that. I'd say, you know, send in suggestions and so on, Great. and there were a few of Great. them. And, yes, there were some roadshow uh, people, too. And, actually, there were a couple of the dealers who were appraisers on the roadshow. So too. I have a question besides the M&Ms, which would attract anybody on either end. What else did your particular booth offer in terms of – besides great information, as always? Well, let me just say one more thing about the M&Ms. Okay. The M&Ms, at the end of the shows for the last 15 or 20 years we've been doing this, you can tell how good the crowd is by how many pounds of M&Ms you go through. Oh. We bring about 35 pounds of M&Ms. And if you go home with two or three, you know there are a lot of people there. If you go home with 10, yeah, you know, so the, the crowd wasn't quite as good. We went through a lot of M&Ms. I'm happy to hear uh, that. What, what were some of the things that we had? Yeah. Uh, well, we had um, gotten uh, some very nice collections of gay material. In other words, um, I, I, we did a podcast on one, the, the Gay Guide to New York in 1968. Mm -hmm. But some of the early magazines and brochures and journals about gay life, there was a great um, series of magazines. We had gay travel in the 70s and 80s. And... That was very popular, and that's an upcoming area of collecting because it's more open now. 
there's not the enigma uh, stigma, stigma yeah. about uh, collecting. So that and we had happened to buy a nice collection a week or two before the uh, the uh, the show. Mm-hmm. Also, we had some very very nice uh, photographs uh, early of uh, Yosemite Valley. I mean, back in the 1880s and 90s, books with actual photographs pasted in as part of the book. Mm. Uh, that was another area that went very well. But it was also across the board. Another thing we do at the show is uh, we try to have what they call discovery items under $100 so that you know people who don't have a lot of money can buy right. something. One of the collections we bought we were actually going to talk about in a podcast is we went to a house that had thousands of signed books and a lot of them, we had a 10 and $20. You could get a signed book by this author or that. They were very popular. They weren't expensive, but they people loved them. Well, it's so nice to be back in so many ways in society, but uh, this this was a home run, and I'm so glad you're reporting back because we did a whole show promoting it and uh, hope to think that paid off a little bit. But uh, people do need each other, and we love to converse when it comes to books because everything under the sun is in a book. And then the other part about it was people asking, what do you have set up for 23 and 2023 and 2020? And we told them that we've we've got dates for 23, we're getting dates for 24, and I have a feeling it's even going to be more and more as people really come out and get get at it. Well, tell your friends to subscribe and download this podcast, and uh, we'll keep you abreast of all that kind of stuff. But congratulations, Ken. I know it's a highlight of your year every year to do it. It not only is fun, you get new customers, you see things from colleagues— and we actually make money too. Ah, always a nice, <laughs> always a nice perk. As, as at the end of the day, uh, he of course is Ken Gloss. I'm Jordan Rich. You've been listening to the Brattlecast. Please visit brattlebookshop.com anytime, and you'll get lost in that website. Then come to the store and enjoy yourself. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Ken. Thank you.